Warning, this podcast and its characters are fictitious, but it depicts major triggering subjects. Listener discretion is advised. In the dead of night, when the wind doth howl, the moon casts its eerie glow. The spirits of the dead do rise and roam on the darkest of nights, which we call Hallow. Tonight is the night that the killers dance, that's me, with lust on their tongues and blades dripped with smiles. They see spirits of victims in terrible sights as they scream and wail darkest of nights. It's so good to see you again, my sweet. I know I've been away for quite a while. I trust you've been fed. Yes. I have two stories to make up for the time, though. Oh, I almost forgot. Happy Halloween! <laughs> You're listening to Serial Frictions. Thank you for joining us for our Halloween special. Today, we have two very exciting stories for you. One written by myself, and one written by Laura Cole. Enjoy! Trick or Treat by Laura Cole Celebrating holidays for the first time in your beginner home is a new experience in itself. You're no longer surrounded by the familiar traditions and scenery when you were smaller, in stature and in mind. However, you feel a rush of excitement and glee, knowing that this is the time you can create your own traditions, traditions you can share with friends and possibly your future children. My first Halloween, in my first home, was a nightmare. Recently becoming single, and not ready to create new memories with fresh faces, I decided to stay home on Halloween weekend, enjoying the company of a B-rated horror movie, take out pizza, and all of the best snacks. Since Halloween this year fell on a Monday, all the trick-or-treaters were coming out to play Sunday evening, October 30th. But in this new town, in this new house, my new yearly tradition became anything but pleasant for the current and all future Halloweens to come. No. No, don't. Oh, God. <sighs> Told you. Didn't I tell her, Jerry? Yeah, never listen, do they? Just like you, you never listen, neither do you, buddy, huh, Chicky buddy, you never listen. Oh, Alright, more trick-or-treaters. Wow, you guys look great! 
We've got a princess, your highness, a cowboy, and a little ghost is so scary. <laughs> Bye! Okay, where were we, Jerry Bear? I was used to life in the city. The tall buildings, the traffic horns blaring all night, and the Chinese takeout at 3 a.m. Ryan and I were comfortable in our small New York apartment, content with the way life was heading. Well, at least I thought that until he decided it wasn't good enough, that I wasn't good enough. I no longer found my life in the city appealing. The endless gray scenery became depressing. The blaring horns began to give me frequent headaches. The Chinese takeout no longer had any flavor, and my small apartment made me feel claustrophobic. I needed to change everything, starting with my surroundings. I picked a small, quiet town in Connecticut where the suburban town, the foliage, and commercially muted aesthetic appeared alluring to me for the first time in my life. I had moved and was settled in two months, wasting no time on my attempt to salvage myself. There was only one positive thing I could count on. Jerry, the only man in my life who has never let me down. Uh, all right, Jerry. Let's clean up. It's, oh Lord, it's almost midnight. Uh, 6.30 is gonna get here very early. Yeah, I wish I hadn't scheduled an 8 a.m. meeting. You know, it sucks Halloween falls on a Monday, but an 8 a.m. meeting first thing just makes it even scarier. Glad the kids aren't staying up later, too, since they got school in the morning. Lucky me. Oh, God, I ate everything. Jerry, why didn't you stop me? <laughs> like you could have stopped me. When Ryan left me, he decided to move in with some woman he had been seeing on the side. I hadn't heard from him until now. I saw a text from him asking me if I'm still awake, if we could talk. I ignored the message and watched as the clock went from 11.59 p.m. to 12 a.m. Well, it's midnight. Happy Halloween, Jerry Bear. Huh. A little late for trick-or-treaters. When I opened the door, I saw a kid dressed in blue denim overalls with an orange and brown plaid button-up shirt. It was dirty, outdated, and worn out. This kid could not have been more than six years old and was wearing one of the most unsettling jack-o'-lanterns on his head. Eyes pitch black, and the carved teeth looked almost real. He held an empty burlap sack with one hand, and while mesmerized by the pumpkin on his head, I didn't notice at the time that he was barefoot. Um, hi, hey, hey, kid. It's a... It's a little late in the game, you know? The kid slowly and eerily holds up the burlap sack, opening it up to me, like a wishing well open for business. 
trick or treat. Oh, right. Uh, Candy. Uh, okay. Um, shit. Um, one second, okay? I'm so sorry, sweetheart. I'm all out of candy. I, I checked to see if I had any extra, but I don't. I'm so sorry. But I hope you have a good night, okay? Happy Halloween, sweetie. I know. Poor kid. It is very late, though. You know, he shouldn't be out on his own. Don't look at me like that, Jerry. Wait, was he? Was he? Was he by himself? Wasn't there an adult? If only I had something. A chocolate bar, a stick of gum, even a fucking breath mint would have been enough. And I could have avoided this nightmare. Oh, um, he's already gone. Okay. I hope he isn't lost or something. Look, I know Jerry, but he didn't say anything if he was. Uh, then again, he might have been scared. I hope he's okay. Oh, hey, maybe that's him. I kind of hope so. Hey, kid, I, I wanted to... Uh, oh, there's no one here. No one's here. What? What the hell? What the hell? When I turned to shut the door, I saw, scribbled in a child's handwriting, across the back in red, trick or treat. The R and K were written backwards, but the word treat was X'd out, while trick was circled. It was fresh, too, the red dripping down to the bottom of the door. God, I still don't know if it was paint or something else. I try not to think about it now. I swear to fucking Christ, Jesus! There. I was able to get that off. Like, seriously, Jerry, what the actual fuck? Ugh, I wish I had camera set up outside or... What? What the hell is that noise? Is, is it coming from the fireplace? The soot from the chimney begins to crackle and fall into the fireplace bed. Something is in there trying to climb down. Suddenly, a black dot plopped down and slipped its way under the couch in the living room. It was too fast, I couldn't get a look at it at first, but I noticed Jerry's fur is standing straight up from his ears to his tail. He started growling and was slowly approaching our little intruder. I grabbed my broom and slowly walked up to the couch got on my knees, and looked under. I couldn't quite comprehend at first what I was looking at. It was too dark and it was hiding way in the back against the wall. It was, however, much bigger than I had originally perceived. I quickly got up and found my phone, turning on the flashlight and shining under the couch. I wish I hadn't. Its fur looked almost wet, dripping and black, 
like it had been dipped in oil, but no drop ever touched the ground. It's like they evaporated in the air. Its eyes glowed solid red, and alongside the obvious dried blood around its mouth was very large and monstrously sharp teeth. Its hands were absurdly massive compared to the rest of its body, and when it growled, it was deep and unworldly. I thought at that moment that it looked like it wasn't from our world. I know now, it wasn't. Hearing it hiss and snarl as I attempted to swipe it with my broom made both Jerry and I question if this was safe. I began to feel scared at the fact that while I was nudging this creature with the broom, it didn't budge an inch. Then it lunged towards me, teeth and claws nearing. It got me, and it got me good. Ow! Fuck! Fuck! Ow! As I held my hand, now dripping with blood, I saw the creature run for the kitchen, climb the countertop, and leap out the window. A window I knew for sure I had shut and locked. I reached for a towel from the kitchen to temporarily wrap my hand in while resecuring the window. As I lifted the towel, I examined my hand, now swollen twice its size, with two obvious bite marks just below my knuckle on my thumb. I had stopped most of the bleeding with some pressure, and after taking a second to stop myself from passing out, I walked to the bathroom to wash and bandage this horrific wound. Jeez, is this how I die? This is how I die, fucking rabies. I mean, what the hell? I might need to go to the hospital. Fuck! I'm okay, Jerry Bear. Thank you for trying to protect me. What the hell? It's my TV! What the... What the... F oh, Jerry... No, Jerry, no! Okay, stay in my bedroom until I get that glass cleaned up, okay? Okay, Jerry, I'll be right back. I felt fear before in my life. I felt the fear when a car cuts you off in traffic, missing yours by a hair. The fear of walking down an alleyway alone with your imaginations and your anxieties running wild. The fear of knowing the truth about your significant other's infidelity. I have felt fear in my life. But I have never in my life felt true horror until this very moment. Jesus Christ, I swear, I swear if anything else happened... As I turned and saw my front door wide open, the word trick carved all over the front in the same handwriting as before and a faint trail of wet, muddy footprints leading inside my house. I couldn't breathe. I knew it was behind me. I slowly turned around to find the kid standing right there and once again holding the bag up to me. And in the same tone, as if on repeat, he said it again. Trick or treat. 
Get out. Get, get out. Get, get out of my house. Get out of my house, you little shit. Get the fuck out. What the, what the fuck is wrong with you? I said get the fuck out. I was so scared and so angry. The kid just stood there, bag open, giving me another chance that I didn't take. Instead, I grabbed his arm and pulled, dragging him to the front door, and in my anger, I literally threw him out, him landing on his side on my porch. I slammed my door shut, locked it, then slumped down against the door and cried to myself for a few seconds. Then I saw it, the foot trail. It didn't just stop in the living room where I was. It continued down the hall. I got up, grabbed a knife from the kitchen, and slowly followed it. It led me down the hall into my bedroom, where I saw the footsteps under the opening of the door. It had been inside. Jerry! I ran to the door and burst it open, knife ready. I saw my bedroom window open, the wind blowing through, whooshing the curtains. And I saw that my bedroom itself had been completely demolished. My comforter and pillows were torn to shreds, my clothes ripped and stained with mud, my books destroyed, my lamps broken, and my vanity smashed to pieces. Jerry? Oh my God, Jerry! Jerry, where are you? how this was possible. The kid appeared so little, so young and armless. I had never thought someone like that would be capable of all of this. Maybe he wasn't alone. Maybe there were other kids helping. But doing this for fun? These aren't just small pranks. This could really hurt me and Jerry. Maybe they didn't care. Maybe they wanted to hurt us. I didn't want to think further on it, not while still in that house. Okay, okay, we, ha we have to get out of here. Jerry, okay? I, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but th this kid's dangerous. There, there might be more helping him out there, but all I know is we need to get out. <sighs> okay, all right, come on, Jerry. walked in on my kitchen being on fire. The gas stove was on high, with flames shooting up into the vent. The curtains at the window behind the sink were set ablaze, the small ashes floating off to start their own spark. I dropped Jerry and ran to the sink and pulled from underneath the fire extinguisher and started working on the flames. Eventually, I got it under control. 
My kitchen was completely destroyed. I sighed heavily with relief when I heard a faint tune, one that was all too familiar to me. My phone! I ran for that familiar sound. I didn't care who was on the other line. I just knew I needed help. I then realized I had dropped it after the rodent-like creature bit me. I found the phone and saw it was Ryan's name. I no longer cared. I needed help. Right before I accepted the call, I heard Jerry let out the most feral hiss and turned to look. There he was, right in front of me, staring me down, ears flat, teeth glaring, tail down, fur sticking up and growling at me. I couldn't move. Jerry has never been an angry cat. I've known him since he was a kitten. Jerry? Share back. Hey, it's okay, bud. Jerry lets out a feral cry and pounces towards my face. It was at that moment, however, that I realized I was not his target. It was the rodent-sized creature who had returned and somehow gotten on my shoulder without me knowing. Jerry jumped at me, swatting the creature off of me and began chasing it. The creature and Jerry ran out the front door, which was once again open. Jerry! Jerry, no, come back! I tried running after him, but as soon as I entered the threshold, the door slammed. My injured hand caught in between it and the doorframe. My vision went white. The pain was so intense and severe, I thought I was going to pass out right then. But the door was still trying to close, and I couldn't stop it. No matter how badly I didn't want to, or how much it hurt, I began to squeeze my hand out from the door's grip. I screamed and screamed, but finally managed to free it. I didn't want to look, but I knew I had to. Two of my fingers were sideways. One of them had skin completely ripped off and revealed bone at the surface. I didn't know if I wanted to vomit or faint, so I chose to vomit. I tried to open the door, but it wouldn't budge. Then I noticed I stepped on something wet. I looked down and saw water, a lot of water. I looked around the area and saw it leaking from down the hallway as I ran down following the trickling brook that is now formed in my home. I saw it was coming from the bathroom as I opened the door. I saw both my bathtub and sink overflowing with water and my toilet clogged with all the toilet paper. At this point, I realized this is not my main problem. What's the point? 
If I spend my time trying to stop, clean, or fix anything, something else will just happen. All because of that kid. Then I heard the sound of my phone ringing from my back pocket. I look at the screen and see my ex's name, Ryan, and immediately answer it. Ryan, oh my god, Ryan, I, I need help, I need help now, <laughs> there's this kid, there's this kid in it. Okay, calm down, Amanda, you still talking to that I then heard the loudest crash in my life. When I finally got up to check to see what on God's good earth could have made that noise, I wish this nightmare would just end. Stepping out of the bathroom, I was taken aback. I never in my life expected to see my own car driven through the front door through the kitchen, and parked in my living room. All over my black sedan was scratched the word trick in the same handwriting over and over and over again. I felt my heart drop down to my stomach. I walked over to the car and looked in the driver's seat, only to find it empty. Then I heard a familiar voice. Mrs. Winslow, my elderly next-door neighbor, and with her was my jerry bear. Amanda, Amanda, sweetheart, are you all right? Miss, Mrs. Winslow, oh, oh my God, oh my God, thank God you're here. Be careful, be careful, there's, there's this kid. Oh dear, I knew I forgot something. It completely slipped my mind. I'm so sorry, dear. <laughs> what are you talking about? Tell me what. Oh, it's here again. I turned and saw the kid was once again behind me, staring up at me. It slowly raised his bag open again and asked in the most demonic voice, Mrs. Winslow reached into her Here, crocheted vest pocket Quickly. and pulled out a bag of M&M's. She was walking towards me until she tripped on some broken wood pieces hidden under the water. She fell and the bag of M&M's burst open, all the colored pieces scattering everywhere. Grab some, at least one and give it to him, hurry! I thought I was hallucinating at first. My hand felt like it was on fire. My nerves shot, my legs shaking, and my mind was so confused and exhausted that of course I thought I was hallucinating. But the kid started to change, to morph. It slowly started to grow taller. The pumpkin carved teeth began to change into real, razor-sharp fangs. Its eyes begin to glow bright red, 
and its aura began to leak a dark black shadow. It was exactly like the little black creature that crawled down my chimney. I knew I was going to die. I quickly scanned the ground and find a small green M&M right at the kid's feet. I pick it up with my injured hand and with it covered in blood, sweat, soot, and toilet water, I dropped it in the kid's burlap sack. I blinked and the kid was back to normal. It looked at me just like the first time I answered the door. It lowered its bag back to its side and waltzed right out the front door. I collapsed onto my knees and began crying harder than I ever have. Mrs. Winslow slowly came to my side and held me in her arms. It's okay, dear. It's all right. You're safe now. You're okay. What was that thing? Wait, wait, you didn't hear me screaming? Like smoke detector going off my fucking car? You didn't? Why didn't you come help me sooner? These are spirits. They demand candy every Halloween. When they do not receive any, they get angry and begin to pull these awful tricks. The longer they go without a treat, the deadlier the tricks become. And when someone doesn't give them their treat, they form a barrier around the home. It keeps everything, sight, smell, sounds, inside. There the spirits can do all the tricks they want without interference. I would never would have known if it hadn't been for your little kitty cat. A very persistent little guy you have there. And I was supposed to tell you about them and I am so sorry. I'm getting old and I forget things. I'll help you with whatever I can. Let me explain what these things are. Back in the late 1920s and early 1930s, the trick-or-treating tradition started to become part of the town's Halloween celebration. The neighborhood children would all go to the local school and get together before going out into the neighborhoods. At the school, they would have games, candy, entertainers, and assigned chaperones and sitters to escort children around town. Then they would be brought back to the school where the parents would pick them up. The teachers thought this would be a great way to include all the children, even those whose parents worked or were not able to take the children trick-or-treating. In the year 1933, all the children met at the school as they usually do. However, the children were locked inside and the school was burned down. Oh my god, that's horrible. No one in the school survived. No one could figure out who did it or how many were involved. The town mourned the loss of the children and had a very difficult time living past it. The following Halloween, the town was still in mourning and did not want to participate in its celebration. Then, children's spirits began to appear on doorsteps asking for candy. The candy they never got. The spirits of the children come back to us on Halloween. The town soon learned that if we give them any kind of treat, they'll leave us alone. However, things changed after that first Halloween. What do you mean, things changed? I, uh, I'm so sorry, dear, but no one can leave. 
everyone in this town is trapped. What? Well, I, I don't understand. What, what do you mean we can't leave? This town will be forever cursed for what it did to those poor children. Halloween is when their poor souls are manifested, appearing in their little forms and costumes the night of their peril. I was born here in 1947. I was raised here, lived here, grew old here. And one day, I will die here. Every time someone tries to leave town, they either get seriously injured or perish. I've lost many loved ones who've tried to escape. We've learned to take care of ourselves here. We help each other out and such, but we cannot leave. The only ones we've seen be able to leave are those like truck drivers, delivering supplies and the town's needs. We learned the hard way, however. If anyone tried to flee with them, or even give them a note to carry out of town, those poor delivery people don't make it past our town lines. So we let them live by keeping quiet. I'm so sorry, dear. We've stopped trying to convince people to prevent them from moving here, but we can't handle any more deaths in this town. Wait, wait, so is, is, is that why this morning in town people kept asking me if I was ready for tonight? Like, ready, ready? And is that why they kept giving me little pieces of candy for just in case? Yes, we try to look out for everyone here in town. Speaking of, where's your spare candy? I ate them. I thought they were for... Just in case, the, the normal trick-or-treaters, you know, they run me dry and I'm left with no candy. It sounds stupid now, I guess, but why do they do this? The, the kids, I mean, why stop people from leaving? We're not sure, sweetheart. Maybe because they were robbed of their chance to live, and in a way, so are the people of this town. And the trick-or-treating... They just want the candy they couldn't have. After what happened tonight, I didn't question her. It made sense the more I thought about it. My heart dropped at the thought of me being trapped here forever. I came to this town to start new and to start living my life, not to have it end here. This isn't fair. I was the one that got cheated on. I was the one that got hurt. So why was I the one who... Hello? Actually, no, I'm, I'm not. I need your help. I'm already on the highway. I don't know exactly where you are, but I know you're somewhere in Connecticut. Yeah. Send me the address. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll... I'll send you the address.
The gravestones shift as hallowed grounds shake. Perhaps zombies arise or ghosts awake. The pumpkins carved with a wicked grin are said to return them to their grave again. The bones of the dead seem to rest tonight as the murderous villain fulfills his dark blights. So lock your doors, heed my advice, or you'll be out trick-or-treating on this, the darkest of nights. Another story? How about The Straw Hat Fair? By Cora Duckworth. <laughs> yes. Eight tiny eyes stared at me from the corner of one of our town's only gas stations. But only two mattered to me. The man, the one who stared, he wore childish clothes and smelled terrible, like apples that have been rotting for a week. On his head, he was wearing one of our town's signature straw hats, not in the common sight this time of year. It added a shadow to his face, which made his glare even more ominous. He follows me. I'm sure of it. Leering. There aren't enough people in this town for him to hide behind. Anytime I go out with our family into any of our town storefronts, he appears, walking into the doorway seconds later. Are you sure? My parents would ask. Of course I'm sure. Don't talk to strangers. Normally, I wouldn't. But today, I cursed him out. After weeks of this, seeing his reflection in the mirror, I was just trying to buy a soda. Like, dude, fuck off! Said something like that. He made weird sounds and ran away. I shrugged and walked to school. Rivets of excitement bolted the other teenagers around me to their seats. Their eyes were fixated on the clocks, and they whispered of rendezvous points at the fair. This was the day of the kid. The Straw Hat Fair was a sure way to get loaded up with candy and enjoy the freedom of our youth. My parents usually told me to stay close to home, but the Straw Hat Fair was an exception. They always said they were too busy making candy apples and running their booths to keep me out of trouble, whatever that means. 
As for the costume contest, not really interested. I mean, Daniel and I won it last year, but that was only because our Mario costumes were accompanied by a super fresh rap battle. Um, it wasn't very good, but uh, it was better than Julie Santiago's Mermaid Wizard. Now, Daniel and I were only interested in one thing this year. The haunted corn maze. We're finally old enough to go alone, and it's gonna be so cool. This is gonna be so cool. Our town is notorious for scares, with one of the scariest corn mazes in the region. The bell rang, and homeroom came to an end. School for the rest of the day was pretty stupid. I mean, the halls were lined with spooky decorations and Halloween puns. That was pretty cool. I got to see Daniel in PE class. In the locker room, we talked about our plans for the fair. His, his excitement is so contagious. Childhood friendships are a wonderful thing. Free from guilt and grief and... I just pulled my shorts on when I noticed a figure around the wall. I gasped. I darted away, and when I looked around the corner, nothing. Nothing but a piece of straw and that unmistakable smell. Rotting apples. Had he? No. He couldn't have been standing there for long. I mean... The dismissive thought of overreaction entered my head. The earlier observed Halloween decorations were littered with straw and hay. Also in the vicinity of the locker room, Julie Santiago and her goons were lobbying with apple cider. Also in the vicinity of... Also, in the vicinity of the locker room, Julie Santiago and her goons were lobbying the prospective costume judges with apple cider. A gesture interrupted for a brief second by a mischievously evil grin thrown in my direction. It almost made me want to enter again this year and show her up. Almost. When the fair was upon us, and I had my fill of morning festivities, and the sun had finally set down into slumber, it was time to meet Daniel at the maze. Bolted to several wooden posts was a steel gate topped with a bright sign that had Maze of Regrets. Turn back now or forever hold your peace. I rolled my eyes to the cheap cliches and spotted Daniel waiting by the maze. He was staggeringly tall. He had a lanky disposition and was wearing overhauls and a straw hat. Finally! I got here as fast as I could. Two steps for you equals one hundred for me. 
He snorted at my self-deprecation. I was notably shorter. In fact, my parents often referred to me as a late bloomer. And I was a big boy, as my brother would say. A ticket booth was fashioned out of old wood posts which were stained dark with black to match the gate. If the undead were lumberjacks, I suppose they would feel right at home. Inside, my uncle, believe it or not, was the director of scares. This is a position voted by town council, and every year my uncle was chosen. Aren't you two a little young for the corn maze? Wouldn't you rather ride the pumpkin piggies instead with your little brother? Knock it off! We want gore! Blood, Daniel said, mimicking Dracula. Terror, I had. Brains. <laughs> Uncle Leon leans in really close and looks around in mock caution. Well, you've come to the right place. My face lit up and Daniel's eyebrows raised. I start to hand my uncle the money, but he refuses. On the house, little dude. I can afford a little nepotism after Janie took over the whole damn haunted parade. Spend your money on something you like. A girl, perhaps? Daniel blushes with gratitude while I blurt out a thank you. Hey, no problem, kiddo. Oh yeah, uh, watch out for snakes. Two have been spotted this morning. He warns us, and then lets out a sinister laugh. Fog machines erupt on either side of the door in a volley of green lasers. Very impressive. Daniel's eyes got wide. I nodded at him assuringly. He gulped, and we walked to the door. It was dark in the maze. Daniel's breathing sounded like a nervous pant after the first zombie jumped out at him. The walls were lined with firefly lights, which made it look like a thousand creatures were looking at us. I hate the feeling of being watched. After passing through sections of dummies, scarecrows, and horrifying crypts, we came to an open circle there was a tree in the middle, adorned with glowing ghosts and spirits. Or at least that's what the decorations aspired to be. Under the tree, a permeable old woman sat stirring her cauldron. I visitors at long last come sit. <laughs> the witch motioned to some hay bales on the other side of the pot. I have seen your future. Hey, Adam, let's skip this part. I, I kind of want to keep my future a surprise. Oh, a surprise it will be. You see, tonight, you will get the fright of your life. Oh, yeah? How do you know that? Because it begins now! She cackles as the lights of the trees flicker and the cauldron bursts to life. Then, the snakes. It was impossible to hear anything over my own scream and the witch cackling. Snakes everywhere all around us. They were slimy, 
and slithering and hissing. I pulled them away one by one, engulfed. They were, they, they were not real. A flash clicks. I hear my uncle's chuckles turn into belligerent laughter. I told you to watch out for snakes. He waved the Polaroid. You asshole! I scream at him. Daniel, you okay? I notice that Daniel has his back turned towards me. I could make out what sounded like a pout. I tried to turn him around, but he didn't budge. Oh no, Daniel. I say sympathetically, but it sounded more like I was scolding a child, which I'm sure made him feel even more embarrassed. Daniel starts to cry. Uncle Leon, look what you did. Daniel turned around and stares at me angrily, his trousers soaked in piss, his face red from embarrassment. He runs into the dark maze, my uncle with the same look, and then chase after Daniel. Daniel. Daniel! Daniel! I call out to him, but no one's answering. After a half hour of searching and yelling, I feel my voice getting hoarse. In front of me, reflecting what little light it could, was a large red warning sign marking the bounds of the maze. I believed I heard his sobs in the distance, so I stepped over. Maybe he made his way back home. I pull out my flip phone and check for texts. Nothing. Then some sympathy for my own situation fades as I realize I probably could have just caught him this entire time. I dial his number. I wait. I hear his goofy ringtone. It's close. I keep calling, playing a game of hot and cold. There it was, glowing on the ground. I see him. I see him weeping over it. He's wearing that goofy straw hat. Daniel, holy shit. Look, dude, it happens to everyone. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. Daniel continues to weep. It was really mean. I'm going to make sure he apologizes. Let's go get some cider before the booths close. <gasps> Daniel stops weeping. He wipes his nose on his sleeve. I reach my hand out. That's it, buddy. My spine feels as though it's collapsing. I feel my body get smaller to mimic the absolute horror that I feel as a large, clammy hand grabs mine. I freeze. I look around. I see Daniel lying on the ground. A bead of sweat rolls down my forehead and falls. I breathe in the cold air and expel it all into a horse and an audible scream. Rotten apples. Childlike clothes. 
staring at me and now holding my wrist is the Watcher. I feel hazy as he pulls me close and wraps a cloth around my mouth. I... I collapse. The quiet is deafening. The moon shines on mine and Daniel's unmoving bodies. Above, a moth flies into a web between two cornstalks. The moth wriggles and bounces helplessly as the spider appears and injects its venom. It succumbs to the agent, and the late-night dew sparkles on the web as Daniel and I are dragged out of the cornfield and into the woods. An earthly smell of nostalgia pulls me into consciousness. I lay in dirt, which makes up the floor in a room roughly 12 square feet. Tethered to a hook on the wall, I try to pull myself up. A porch light hangs beside a door with numbers, which look like it belonged more on a front porch than on the other side of this room. Daniel beside me is wearing what I consider a childish costume, a ninja or a pirate. I squirm in the binds. I try to scream for help. Help! It doesn't take long for the padding on my chest to reveal that I too have been changed into a costume, a superhero. The door swings open violently. The smell of soured apples fills the room and I reflexively pull my hands up to my face. A cricket leaps at the commotion. The man in the straw hat is carrying a jack-o'-lantern. He sets it in the middle of the room. There are no words. He motions to the pumpkin and throws up celebratory hands. He grabs my chin. I look away, sickened by the smell. He lets go and stands back up. He cuts the rope from my wrist with a very sharp and rusty blade. I try to get away, only to be thrown helplessly against the wall. He's too big, too strong. Daniel whimpers. The man whips his gaze to him. He cheers, yelping and mumbles. Daniel freaks out, what are you going to do to us? The man almost instantly stops his cheer and places his leering eyes right into Daniel's face. Daniel's expression widens with fear. The man looks at me. Then back at Daniel before violently pointing at the jack-o'-lantern. As he leaves the room, I run over and pull Daniel in for a tight hug. You're okay. I, I was scared shitless. I couldn't find you. He just looks past me with a gaze. It's okay. We're okay, I say. 
a hesitant smile tries to curve itself onto his face as he meets my eyes. I try to open the door, but it doesn't budge. I start to look around the room, scratching, digging. Nothing seems to work. Daniel sobs. We're stuck, he says. Ah, he speaks, I said hoarsely. I don't know what he wants. I mean, he's not a pervert. He, I don't think so. He didn't touch you or anything. He made me change us into these costumes. Also, Star Wars underwear? Really? I punch him in the arm and then laugh while sinking to the floor beside him. We're not doing too hot, are we? No, he said. Stuck. There is a pause, then a steady arrhythmic set of clicks as the cricket jumps around the room, unimpressed with our situation. I'm glad you're okay, I say. For now, she says. Maybe we should have just stuck to trick-or-treating. I would much rather be eating some candy with a horror flick right now, I reply. Jeepers creepers? I roll my eyes at his response. The Lost Boys. Watching the jack-o'-lantern flicker, I feel almost comfortable. Beside it, there are two trick-or-treating pails. Daniel walks over to one of them and picks it up. He stares. What? I ask. He nods me over. They're empty. Yeah? Let's fill them up. My brain oozed with realization as I snatched up one of the pails and we walked over to the door. There was a small button on the side. We press it. The door swings open. Trick or treat, we say. The man jumps giddily. He looks down at us, mumble-talking some words as if to praise our costumes. His breath is unbearable. I look at Daniel. I look at Daniel having been taken aback by the change in the man's demeanor, hoping we had solved the puzzle, hoping that's all we had to do to be set free. Unfortunately, he filled our buckets with apples and some bottled water. The man waved us goodbye and shut the door. I felt a tear of disbelief swell in my eye. <laughs> Daniel, feeling defeated, throws his bucket at the wall. A heavy weight fills the room as the man erupts through the door and backs Daniel into the corner. <laughs> he whimpers as the man angrily stares him at the face. Kick or cheat, the man mumbles. I watch in horror as my lanky friend shrinks like a small child and starts to sob. Trick or treat. 
satisfied, the man backs down, then picks up the apples and puts them back into the pail, giving them to Daniel. Knots fill my throat as I feel suffocated by the room, which got smaller by the minute. My breath flailing and screaming went silent when the man flashed his glare at me. I move to Daniel as the man leaves, giving him some of the water to help calm him down. Alone again, Daniel and I sit and stare dead-eyed at the wall. Then, at the cricket, who was still unamused, hopping beside the damn smiling pumpkin. The poor cricket didn't stand a chance as we watched its downfall. It was happily hopping, but had stopped to chirp. It was at this time that it found its misfortune in Spider's lair. A door. A trap door. Made of dirt. Then, a predator erupts, pulling it in. It kicks as it disappears, never to see the light of day again. Maybe we're the spiders, I mutter. What do you mean? Daniel asks. Grab your pail, quick. The man's horrified wails as I pulled him through the door is a sound I will never forget. We played his game of trick-or-treat, and now we'll play our trick. We ran out, closing the door behind us. The man starts to beat on the door. We keep hearing him whimpering. He keeps ringing the doorbell. Talk or treat! Mumbles and whimpering, he melts down into sheer panic. Tuck or cheats! Tick or cheats! He beats on the door. Tick or cheat! Tears glaze Daniel's eyes. He doesn't seem to be able to look away. I grab him and pull him towards what I think is the exit. A front door, like the one downstairs, but in a more usual location. Then, I take a breath as I grab the doorknob. Oh no. Locked. Padlocked. Chained. I sigh. I don't react. Trying to keep my calm for Daniel. Trying to cherish the next and only five seconds of sanity I may have left. I peek through the mail slot. I see we are in the apple orchard just outside of town. I hear the man's muffled wells and him beating on the basement door. I hear the man's muffled wells and him beating on the basement door. Outside. Down the porch stairs, a sign is riddled with ghosts and skeletons. It reads, Happy Halloween.
Thanks for listening. If you liked it, why not leave us a good review? Share with your friends. After all, sharing is scaring. Music mixed down from samples from Kevin McLeod. Sound effects from Free Sounds. See show notes at serialfrictions.blogger.com. Stories by Laura Cole and Corey Duckworth. Voice actors include Laura Cole, Corey Duckworth, and Madison Cole. Have a good night.